0: Welcome to the Stories of Runeterra podcast. My name is Ravenhood, or Guy Black, and I'm just a humble storyteller here to draw you into the vast world of Runeterra by Riot Games. The Riot Games community has crafted an incredible universe where everyone wants to be the boss. Each week we jump into the Riot Games universe and narrate something from the world of Runeterra off of the Riot Games universe site. Think of this whole thing as a audiobook project of League Stories and lore by yours truly. And this week's story is set: the boss. And now for my um, terrible attempt at an impression of him, being the boss is a lot better than not being the boss. And real quick before we jump in here, you guys have heard it before, you guys know I do it, I host another podcast with my buddy called Gamer Alchemy, where Elliot Moose, Captain Minge, and I smash together a couple different games that we enjoy. Our last episode that released was a mashup between Super Smash Bros., and one of his favorite games back in the day, which was Golden Sun. We do a deep dive into what would it look like if we made Isaac a character that you could play as. Or as a... Oh, what does he do? A challenger approaches! Anyway, check it out. As for this podcast, you know, like uh, like it, leave a review, share it with your friends, tell people about it. I'd appreciate it. Thanks! And let's jump into our lore of Set, the boss. A leader of Ionia's growing criminal underworld, Set rose to prominence in the wake of the war with Noxus. Though he began as a humble challenger in the fighting pits of Navori, he quickly gained notoriety for his savage strength and his ability to take seemingly endless amounts of punishment, unless you silence his W. Now, having climbed through the ranks of local combatants, Set has muscled to the top, reigning over the pits he once fought in. Though now a powerful player in Ionia's flourishing criminal underworld, Set had humble origins. Born from an Ionian and an Noxian human, the half-beast child was an outcast from the start. His birth appalled his mother's Vestayan community, which expelled the family for violating its tribal norms. The humans of Ionia were no more accepting of the taboo union, though Set's father's infamy as a local pit fighter usually kept them from voicing their disapproval. What little security the family enjoyed vanished the day Set's father disappeared. All of a sudden, those who had bitten their tongue at the sight of young Set felt free to express their contempt. The boy was bewildered, wondering where his father had gone and why trouble suddenly seemed to be following him. Set, Grew up quickly, becoming calloused in the face of the taunts and threats he endured, and before long he began using his fists to silence the insults. When news of his fights reached his mother, she made him swear not to go near the Noxian pits where his father had fought. But the more Set fought, the more he thought of his father. Longing to find the man he only vaguely remembered, Set snuck away to the pit late one night after his mother had gone to bed, Immediately he was enthralled by the spectacle. Scores of Noxian soldiers fresh to the shores of Ionia roared with bloodlust from the stands around him. Down in the center of the arena, fighters from all backgrounds and martial disciplines clashed in gruesome duels with a variety of weapons. And the winners handsomely paid in Noxian coin. When the event was over, Set inquired about his father and learned the hard truth. His father had bought out his contract and left to tour more profitable pits abroad. He had deserted his family to seek fortune on the other side of the world. Burning with rage, Set asked the arena's matchmaker for a fight, hoping to somehow his father would return from his tour and be the opponent standing across the pit from him. The matchmaker assigned the boy a fight on the next card, figuring he would be easy fodder for one of his star combatants. Set would prove him wrong. From the moment he threw his first punch, the Beast Boy Bastard was a pit fighting sensation. Though Set had no formal martial arts training, his primal strength and ferocity were more than compensated, and he leveled his more technically sound opponents like a battering ram. Never abandoning hope that he might one day fight his father, he soon became the undisputed king of the pit with a swollen coffer of prize money and a trail of broken opponents to his name. Night after night, Set brought home money and comforts to his mother, always lying about how he had acquired them. It warmed his calloused heart to see her so proud of his success, no longer forced to toil at menial jobs. Still, Set couldn't help but feel he could do better. Being the king of the pit was good, but being the person who owned the pit... Now that's where the real money was. Late one night, after defending his title in front of a record-breaking crowd, Set presented his new demands to the Noxian matchmaker and his cronies. He suggested they grant him control of the arena and its revenue. And when they refused, Set barred the doors. Minutes later, the doors reopened and the Noxians emerged, badly maimed, with a message on their bloodied lips. The half-beast was the new boss. With the promoters out of the picture, Set took control of the pit he once fought in. Ionians, who had only recently been conditioned for war, flocked to the arena, playing to satisfy an urge that they only knew they possessed. Set took full advantage of their newfound bloodlust, accumulating wealth and power beyond his wildest boyhood dreams. As he transformed the pit into the hub of an underground empire of gambling and vice... The half-beast, who reigns supreme in the pit, now runs as illicit enterprises with the same iron fist. Anytime someone challenges his authority, he personally reminds them where they stand. Every punch set throws is a blow to his old life of poverty and ostracism, and he intends to make sure that old life stays down. <laughs> Now for this week's story of Sets. It's written by John O'Brien, and it's titled Big Head, Bad News. Who's watching the till? I ask. Shrap, the stick of a man taking weapons at the door, looks at me with bug eyes, scared he's done something wrong. Ryu, Uh, Ryu, Ryu's on the till tonight, he says. Get two more on it, I tell him. It's a big night. Lots of spenders. Last thing I need is some lowlife making off with the profit. Sheriff scarries off. A couple of seconds later, he comes back with two of my heaviest hitters. They go join Ryo at the coin box. And I check back on the action in the arena. The place is packed. Crammed to the doors with nobodies, somebodies, and everybody in between. People with nothing much in common except maybe a hankering for blood. And they're about to get it. My star combatant. Prawn the Flare has just finished his long, sauntering entrance. His chiseled body is painted entirely green, and he wears a small buckler on his left forearm. His infamous whip sword, painted to look like a viper, remains coiled on his belt as he enters into the pit to face his opponent. The challenger, some Shuriman guy, is it Ferrant? Ferrell? Ferrant? Ah, I'll learn his name if he wins. Stares a hole in him his hands up by his shoulders, itching to grab the twin daggers sheathed on his back. He's come halfway around the world for this, and he'll be damned if some local golden boy is going to show him up. With a wave of the pit officer, Scarfar shows on. The fighters circle each other in the center of the floor, always the entertainer. Flair draws the whip sword and snaps it all around his body. He's one of about eight people in the world who can do this without cutting his own face off. <laughs> and he loves to show it off insulted by the taunt the shireeman draws his daggers he sprints across the pit throwing himself into a whirl of blades slicing the wind at unnatural angers Player's surprised but not off guard he parries the dagger with his buckler throwing the shireeman off balance for a split second feels like an eternity the shireeman's body is turned off kilter hands by his waist his entire torso is wide open target in a single, fluid moment, Flayer swings his whip-sword clean across the throat of his opponent, and the Sheriman drops to the floor in a growing pool of his own blood. The crowd erupts. How's that till? I shout to the boys in the back. I've got it, boss, replies Sharap, as the eager throng swarm the vestibule to settle the bets. Back down on the floor, I see the pit crew loading the Sheriman onto the corpse's cart, a few feet away, the Flayer celebrates with some of his fans. He's got a look on his face, and I know it well. It's not relief. It's not contentment. He's getting a big head, and it's going to be bad news. About an hour later, the crowd's gone home, and the till's been emptied and counted. Just when I'm saying goodnight to the crew, guess who stops me at the door? It's the Flayer. He's holding a fat bag of coin, but he doesn't look happy. Said he's got a bone to pick. Here we go. I ask him what's the problem. He just won big in front of a record breaking crowd. He says that's just it. He drew a record breaking crowd. He should get a cut of the till. My till. Now, I understand where he's coming from. Same place I was coming from when I took over this whole thing. But just cause I understand what a fella wants doesn't mean I gotta live give it to him. I tell the flayer no then the guy blows up. He starts telling me how lucky I am to have him in my pit. Do you know how many people in the world can do what I can do? He asks. Nine. (laughs) Heh. Nine. Guess they must have added one, I say. He keeps mouthing off, says I've gotten fat, and don't remember what it's like to risk my neck in the pit. By this point, a bunch of my crew are starting to listen in. Seeing how I can't have people thinking I'm soft, I figure it's a good time to remind Flair who's the boss and who's the employee. He's not having it. You're just some washed-up ex-champ in a fur coat, telling us real fighters what to do, he says. Anybody can do your job. That doesn't sit well with me. I tell Flair we can go toe-to-toe in the pit, and he can find out just how much of a fighter I still am. I guess at this point he feels like he can't back down because he accepts my offer. If I win, I take your pit and all that comes with it, he says. And I nod. He waits, like he's expecting me to add my own stipulations, as if he's got anything I'd want. All I ask is that we do it in front of a crowd. Let's get paid for it. The fight night comes, and there's so many people on hand, they're spilling out the doors of the arena. And I got five of my heavies on till tonight. I walk out into the pit, drums beating, crowd roaring, and see the flare standing across from me. Green and hot-headed as ever, my Vestayan sense of decency kicks in. I tell him all he's got to do is tell this arena full of people how wrong he was to disrespect me and we can call off the fight. He spits on the ground and angrily cracks his whip sword overhead. He ain't backing down. By the time the pit official waves a scarf, the flare is halfway across the floor. He flings his whip sword at me. Before I react, the shifty little cuss takes a piece off of my cheek. He snaps it a couple more times, coming dangerously close to my throat. Then, while I'm trying to deal with his weird floppy blade, he nails me in the face with his buckler. I land flat on my back, seeing double. He draws his whip sword back. We're not even a minute into this, and already the Flayer's going for the kill. This ain't happening. His blade comes lashing at my neck once more, and this time, I grab it. With my bare hand, the Flayer's eyes bulge from his dumb green face. My blood gets pumping and my hair stands on end. I feel a little growl escape from the corner of my mouth. I barely feel the blade cutting into my palm or the blood running down my forearm as I stand and pull the Flayer by his sword, yanking him to my other fist. I repeat the motion a few more times, my brass knuckle duster chewing his face into a pulp. And when I finally stop punching, he coughs out a tooth and tells me I'm making the biggest mistake of my life. (laughs) What are you doing? I'm your biggest draw, he says. Flayer... You're losing to a washed-up ex-champ. Who's going to pay to see you fight now? With his last ounce of energy, he hocks a big mouthful of blood into my face. Right there in front of the gods and everybody. I can't have an arena full of people thinking I'm not the boss. So I pick the guy up by the throat and slam him as hard as I can, smashing his greedy, fat head deep into the floor of the pit. He twitches for a second, and then stops. The crowd eats it up. Late that night, I stop by Mama's house like usual. She's in bed already, so I quietly leave a nice sack of coin on the dresser and give her a kiss on the forehead. She wakes, smiles at the side of her boy, standing there at her bedside. As I touch her cheek, she notices the bandage on my hand where I grab the flayer's blade. Oh, tree, what happened? She says, all concerned. Nothing big, just cut myself building, I say. What did you build today, son? She asks. An orphanage. For orphans, ma. I say as I give her one last kiss goodnight. Such a good boy, she says. Her eyes tear up as she drifts off to sleep, like she's proud knowing her son's making a respectable living. well i'm intrigued by this kind of character do a little bit you know one of these days and you guys have heard me say it over and over and over and over and over again one of these days i'm going to get one of these get a podcast going maybe it'll be like after i finish all the lore stuff for these where i go back through with some of my deep thinking friends and we look at like what we can learn about these i'm a teacher at what's called a classical school and I'm always thinking about when we read stories or literature like this game lore what is it what can we learn to be people on the other side of it? And so like what are the good things that we can learn from set story like to be better people what does it mean to be perseverant and push through tough times and find solutions but how do we not want to be like set like in the being you know, blatant liars and deceivers i don't know And i mean that's very shallow and we can pick that apart but i want to do that with somebody else so that we get some other opinions but you know i like set he's kind of this cool he'd be a cool little plug for what we do on the other side of our podcasting stuff in the on the sherwood forest network like what would it be like if he was an NPC, or you played this guy as a character, like, anyway. So, I enjoyed the story. It's kind of cool. It's a little bit more lighthearted from the deep, terrifying, dark, existential horror that was our last episode. Anyway, hope you enjoy it. Thanks again for listening in. All of you guys that leave me reviews or message me on Instagram and Twitter, I try and get back to you as quick as I can. I try not to be on social media a ton, just for my own health. But when I see your messages, it really warms my heart, and when you leave me reviews oh, i just appreciate it out like can't get enough of it. it you guys are great thank you so much for the folks that have shared um tell your friends about the podcast tell you, um you leave me a review good or bad i love constructive criticism so anyway thanks again appreciate it and we'll catch you on the flip side